Good to see you all. Um, yes, here we are. God is good. Uh, this is the message I'd prepared last week that we decided to abandon um, just as God was moving. And I just want to highlight again just what Jillian was just saying, that God is, is here. He's moving. And we had an, an elders meeting this week, and we just, it was awesome to just ask the question, what, what do you think God's up to? Because um, sometimes you're like, where is God? Where are you? What are you doing? And it, it feels like in the last couple of weeks, it feels like it's something shifted. What's up, Andrew? And um, we, can, we can ask a question, God, what are you up to? Not, where are you, God? Right? Okay. So um, one of the things that we talked about a couple weeks ago is just this. And what, what I felt really strongly that God was kind of highlighting is just this invitation to return to our first love, to seek him, to be with him, and to keep things simple. And so in, in that spirit, again, we've got the bread and the cup here. We're, we're wanting to give like physical evidence and a picture that Jesus is central to everything that we're doing. Um, I'm standing to the side of that on purpose because this is why we're here to meet with Jesus. And so that's, that's one of the things we want to just keep, keep going. And I think that um, from what I gathered uh, after the last couple of weeks, there seems to be a resonance with you guys that you feel like, yes, I, I want to return to my first love. I want to encounter God. I want that to be the center point of everything I'm doing. And so much so that that actually, we had dinner with some friends that we hadn't seen in like seven years, a couple weeks, like last Friday. And they were saying something similar. And so it feels like God is up to something, like not only in our community, but in the communities around us. It's good. And I just pray that today we would just continue to respond to that invitation to return to him. So today, guys, my hope is really a simple one and one that's kind of uh, risky, I guess, in some ways. My, my hope is that I want each of us here this morning to have a real encounter with the love of the Father, which is interesting because that feels like everything we've been doing so far this morning has led to that, has been feeding into that thing. And so I just want to pray and just, and just I'm, I'm feeling a little bit scattered, so I just want to pray. And then I just, I just want to, yeah, and just invite God to come keep moving amongst us, okay? So pray with me and for me silently if you can too. So Jesus, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here with us. Best Lord, I am scattered right now. I feel like I am all over the place. And I just ask that you would settle me down and help me focus, Lord, and be able to communicate your heart this morning. And so um, it's freeing to know, God, that, that I can't, manifest you in any way. Um, Holy Spirit, you can point us to Jesus, and Jesus, you can point us to the Father. And so this morning, that's what we're here for. We're here to meet with you, God. And so um, right off the hop, we just ask you to come have your way amongst us. We are open to whatever you want to do. Um, wake us up, God, where we're sleepy. Um, open our eyes, Lord, where, where we're kind of getting drowsy. And I just pray, too, that where we feel um, afraid. God, may your love come into that place this morning, and may you open us up to receive more of you, more of your kingdom, more freedom, more grace, and just more liberty to be sons and daughters this morning. So we thank you for who you are, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, one of the things I think it's, it's interesting, uh, we're hearing a, an invitation like, hey, Come seek my face. Come be with me. The, the, maybe the first question that pops into your mind or one of the first questions is, well, 
who, who is asking me to do that? What is God actually like? You know that, that initial thing where you're getting to know someone and you're like, I wonder what they're like. You, you, you feel like you want to get to know them, but you're not sure. Maybe they're going to reject me. Maybe they're not, it's not safe for me to really be myself. How, do, how does that work? Um, and it's specifically, I don't know if you guys have this, meeting people with some measure of authority or significance, um, it, it feels a little bit nerve-wracking. You know, like anyone, you know, meeting your in-laws for the first time? Just me? Okay, that's fine. Um, meeting your new boss or just things like that where you're just, you're just nervous. What if they don't like me? And I think that's been deeper when it's someone that you want to be loved by. Like, oh my gosh, what is, is, is God, in this case, is God going to reject me? Am I good enough? Is he going to be like, oh man, I love everyone except you. And all of these thoughts can pop into our minds. Um, throughout my life, I have been wrong. My first impressions of people have been wrong often. And I think for us, it's, it's, we have to be careful that when we're thinking about this invitation from God, we have to kind of be willing to be wrong about what we think God's like. Um, and I think that's a freeing thing. And I think he wants to reveal to us what he's actually like. And so much of our own brokenness, so much of sin, so much of um, just difficulty in life is because we have a wrong picture of what God is like, a wrong understanding of his heart for us. And so... Um, with that in mind, I think we can think about the biblical story. The biblical story reveals what life looks like when we've got wrong ideas about God. When you think about Israel, they're always thinking that they have to go out on their own and make something happen. Or there's this idea of scarcity. There's never enough. We have to make it happen. And God keeps showing up over and over and over again. And they keep trying to kind of live life with, like, without God. And we see all kinds of stories like that throughout the scriptures. So you and I, like I just said, I'm already saying it, but I'm trying to hammer home a point here. We have, I have, you have our own ideas about God that are wrong. One of my favorite quotes is this, God made mankind in his image and we returned the favor. So we often, we, we pace our own broken pictures of maybe even it, thinking about the father specifically. It's our own relationship with our earthly dad that was painful and, and, and gross and wrong. And we put that on God. Or maybe he was demanding and had no grace. And that's how we see God the father. Or maybe he was absent or distant. Or maybe he was really involved. Whatever it might be, we have to realize that our picture of God is at best kind of like looking through a stained glass window to make out someone's face. So sin is a result of a wrong understanding of God. God wants to free us from sin, and that is a relational term. He wants us to have the right picture in our minds about who he is and what he's like. So it just snowballs from there. You know, when, when, we're th when we think about like having a wrong idea about someone, you know, during COVID or when you haven't seen someone, maybe it's someone that you're upset with for a long time, the more time you spend not seeing that person, the worse they get, you know? All of a sudden they have like sharp teeth and like they have, they're just terrible human beings. And I think that's the same thing that happens when we have a wrong understanding of God. We're not, say we have like a picture of him being distant or not wanting anything to do with us. We're going to naturally kind of move away from him. And the, the further away we get from God, the, the more incorrect our picture of God is. So this ends up in this state where I, I have definitely lived, and I'm sure most of us in this room have lived before, this, this place of utter darkness and delusion. Where, you know, you can go to the point, I've had thoughts like, God, you hate me. You hate me, God. And you, you certainly don't want me around. And maybe you have some thoughts like that as well. You hate me, God. You're, you don't want anything to do with me. Here's the good news, though. Jesus comes to show us what God is really like. And so let's read together uh, from the Gospel of John, 
I'm going to read chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Okay, let's read together. Don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough, more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. Thomas Holloman didn't say that, no, but... We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, and this is a famous verse we've all heard, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. So from now on, you do not know him and have Sorry, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Maybe he was in the bathroom and didn't just hear Jesus explaining what, what that was. So Philip, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going, to, I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus comes to reveal to us what the Father is really like. So there's this issue of sin and delusion. We have this idea about what God is like. It ends up in distance from God, distance from one another, brokenness. So Jesus, God himself, puts on flesh to come walk amongst us and show us what God is really like. This is really good news. Because most of us, I would say, when we read the Bible, does anyone have an issue with Jesus? Most of us love Jesus. Even people who aren't followers of Jesus can see the beauty of the way that he lived his life. So there's something compelling about the person of Jesus. In, but I think it's difficult sometimes for us to connect these two things. So God is Trinity. And so I want us to remember this big core idea that God is a relational being, Father, Son, and Spirit. They have existed from all time and for all time, and they have deep uh, plans and purposes for you and for this creation that we live in. And most of it is going to end up, it sounds like, in this relationship with God. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes into the very nature of Father, Son, Spirit relationship except through me. So that's, that's where we're heading into this understanding of what it really means to be loved and to love and to be seen and to see other people and to have a mission and a purpose to spread that love to all creation. So that's where we're heading. And so what, what, what gets in the way is, is often just our own broken thinking and misunderstandings about God. We are coming to, it's, it's great news for us that we are coming to the Father. Not the judge or the boss or the prime minister or the taskmaster, but we're going to the Father. Jesus later on is walking around and one day he's, he utters this phrase that we can easily glance over. But I think it's so helpful in, in terms of this way of thinking. He says, no one knows the Father except me. 
It's like he's brokenhearted. Like, you guys are so wrong about what God is really like. You've got him so wrong. And this, this is what is going on. Sin and, and betrayal and brokenness is all a result of that. That goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. So the point is the Father is just like Jesus. Jesus comes to reveal to us what the Father is really like. So I want to I wanna give credence and just take a second to realize and even confess in my own story our relationships with our dad are not always good, right? A lot of them are good, and a lot of them are really fraught with pain and sadness and fear and all kinds of stuff. So I, I don't want to just glance over this and be like, hey guys, you know, God's a father. It's great, great news. I want, to, I want us to be realistic about that. that and I want to remind you and remind myself that God knows our own story. He knows what your dad was like, and he knows that for some of us, this is like bad news currently. But he wants to redeem that. And but going back to that picture of the kintsugi, that bowl of brokenness, that he wants to fill in all those cracks where, where our dads let us down. He wants to, to fill those cracks. And so, I, I, yeah, just that, that brief statement there is, I think, is good enough. But God is a good father. Although you and I may have had fathers that were less than good, um, God is a good, good father. You guys Okay. Okay. All right. I feel off, but that's okay. God is good. So one of the most poignant stories, if Jesus reveals to us what God is like, one of the most poignant stories is the story of the prodigal son. And so I want to read this story and I want us to kind of do our best to use our imaginations to think through. I'll maybe stop at a couple points and kind of highlight something, but just put yourself into the story. Try to get into it. And, and, and uh, yeah, just really experience maybe what was going on there. So the parable of the lost son, or you could say the parable of the waiting father. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you both, both, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found, so the party 
began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. It's the word of the Lord. Anything stick out to you guys as, we, as you heard that story again? John? The like, immediate relief mm. on the sun. Yeah. Like, when he gets home, it's like, hey, it's pinned against you. Yeah. It was like, I was thinking about this earlier when we had confession, and it's like, confession can often be like a really painful thing. Yeah. I was thinking of Brittany got a ring stuck on her finger this week, and her finger swelled up mm. past the ring, and it was not fun getting it off. Mm. But once we got it off, it was, there's a, some relief. There's some great relief. Yeah. And it's like in the idea of like, I can't imagine what that son must have been thinking mm. walking home. Yeah. Like all that way, like traveling home in like shame and like, yes, I can't believe I've done this to my dad. Yes. And then he gets home, he confesses and it's like immediately like yeah. the father's like, welcome home. Like, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's great. Anything else, guys? Spawns of the older brother. Mm. Mm. He seemed justified. In terms of his attitude, his mm. attitude Of course. Mm. Why wouldn't you feel relief? Mm. That's a Mm. Yeah. I think I think certainly for myself and I think for a lot of the church, we're guilty of being the older brother. Mm. Mm-hmm. We have we don't allow mercy to triumph over judgment. Yeah. I resonate with that for sure. Anything else stick out to you guys? Sure. Right. Yeah. I think we don't realize that part. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Frank. 
Christian and, you know, being that first son and mm. everything. You know, God has a Yes. He's seeking the lost, mm. not us. But it kind of goes back to your first point, which is the invitation to our first love. Mm -hmm. We can become stale like the first son. Mm. Like the yes. So we need to kind of continue to yeah. that first love. Yes. Yeah. Is it fair to say that both sons had a wrong picture of their father? Right? That's, they both were off. Um, so what kind of statement is Jesus making about the father? Why is this the picture of God that Jesus shares? You see, I, I would say that the father wants something more than mere religious behavior. And what, what the father longs for is not exemplary behavior or just our time or our, or our obedience. What he wants and something that we could say that maybe feels trite, you know, growing up in church, God actually wants your heart. Um, when we think about the beginning, when, when the, the son comes and he's like, hey, I want my share. The father's like, okay, sure. Because you know what? You're more important to me than this money. You're, you're, you, you as a human, you as, as my son are more important to me than this stuff. And so, you know what? I know that, that beyond this thing that you're asking for, I, I long for a deep relationship with you. And so, um, I, I also think it's really interesting that he, he pursue, he's waiting for the son to come back. He's, on the, he's ready to, he starts running as soon as he sees him. And he also goes out and pursues the older son. So he's moving towards both, both of his sons always. Um, I want to pick up on something that John said about shame. Um, so for a Jewish person, pigs were seen as unclean, right? And so has anyone ever been to a pig farm? It's a terrible smell. It's terrible. And it doesn't seem to go away. I've heard some stories that, you know, it's, it's impossible to get out. I praise God my dad was on a pig farmer. But um, I just, I was, when I was reading this, I was struck by how, like John was saying, there's this, there's this realization, the sun hits rock bottom. Like, I am, what, what happened? How do I, like, he must have been like, how did I end up here? And, and then in that moment, he's like, you know what, I, I'm going to go back to my dad. And there's no way he took time to like, he probably didn't take time to clean himself up in any ways. It doesn't seem to be. And so he shows up and the father sees and he, he can see the shambled mess that his son is in. And he can literally smell the mess that his son has been in. And the younger son returns in that state of brokenness and of stench and of wretchedness. But he does so, I would say, wholeheartedly. Which is, okay, that's what the father's after is our whole heart, right? So there's this, there's this willingness to, I'm, Father, I'm going to invite you into my whole story. Not just the parts that are like good and clean and right, but I'm going to invite you into the stench of what really happened. The, the, the full depth of my own brokenness, Father, I need you to see. I, I don't want you to see, but I, I know that you can handle it. And in that place that the father meets the son, that place of utter vulnerability, he's met with grace and forgiveness and joy and a hug. Like what? And a kiss. Like that is crazy. 
that, that that is the picture that God, that, that that is what God is actually like. And so I would say that the older son, he's living with God, but maybe he's living there half-heartedly. He's not fully there with God. He's not really understanding God completely. And God wants our whole hearts. And so I don't, I don't want us to think, um, I think that the point Jesus is getting at here is there's nothing you've done. There's nothing you could ever do. There's nothing that has been done to you or nothing that ever could be done to you that was going to exclude you from that divine embrace of grace. That, that hug and a kiss and that immediate, hey, dude, there's a party going on now for you. There's not, hey, could you just, I see, I see you there, but can you clean yourself up? And then in a week we can chat. It's like, no, come on. He goes right to him, kisses him, brings him back into the family and restores him. One thing that human beings are wired for, scientists are studying and realizing, is that we're, we're hardwired for joy. And one of the ways that joy is established in our brain is, is simply this. We are hardwired to look for someone looking for us. So think about your babies. Like your babies are, you know, when you first have a baby, or maybe you don't have a baby, but you've seen a baby. Or maybe you experience this in your own life. Trying to get everyone in the room. And... There's like this joy. When they see you seeing them, there's this joy, this spark that happens. And so that son, is, is, he's hardwired to have someone, to see someone looking for him. So imagine that, that state of shame and coming up, up over the hill and then seeing his father and him running to him. That sparks joy. That's something that we were created for, not for condemnation, for shame, and for hiding. We're, we're created for intimacy, relationship, and joy. This is the picture Jesus chooses to paint of the Father, a safe place to be vulnerable, to allow his eyes to look upon all of us in order that we may be healed in the gaze of the Father. That's good news, guys. Okay, so where do I want to go here? Jesus reveals a father who longs for a relationship with you. Whether you find yourself in the pig pen or doing all the stuff and just outside grumpy that the other kid is getting the fattened calf, Jesus wants you to know a father who's coming for a relationship with you. There is a father who is looking for you. You are hardwired to look for someone looking for you, and that is the father looking for you. This is a big deal. J.I. Packer says this about this whole idea of understanding the fatherhood of God in our place as sons and daughters. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. So one of the glorious riches of the gospel is that through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, that we are included in the very relationship that he's always known with his father. Perfectly loved, perfectly safe, Perfectly seen, doesn't have to strive to get his father's attention. A place of belonging, of intimacy, of identity. 
Jesus invites us into that very relationship. This reminds me of something that, like a couple weeks ago, um, we went to the cottage with the Silerns and uh, Lucas and my son Theo are really good friends. And at this one point of the trip, I was laying on the couch and Theo was literally laying on my chest on the couch and we were just hanging out. And then very slowly, Lucas is getting closer and closer and closer. And I love Lucas, it's great. Closer and closer. And all of a sudden, Lucas is laying on my chest. And this to me is the picture of what Jesus is inviting us into. So Jesus is Theo in this picture. I'm the father. You guys tracking? Okay. And, and, and Theo is showing Lucas what I'm really like. I'm a safe place for Theo. And so Lucas gradually comes closer and closer and lays his chest, his head on my chest as well. And that's what, that's what Jesus wants to show us is, hey, the father is a safe place for you. Even if you smell like pig beep, you can come and lay your head on his chest. Okay? I want to say one more thing just about family, and then I want to kind of talk to us about the cross, and then we'll take communion together. I'm just going to keep praying. Is that, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that you are good. And I just, I want to, I want actually want to come against the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Lord, where, where we are, where there is a battle in our minds raging, I just pray for peace in the name of Jesus. I pray that victory in the name of Jesus, that there would be things settled this morning that have been unsettled for a long time in people's hearts and minds and spirits, where we have had a wrong picture of you, God, bring your truth. And so we need your help to do that, Holy Spirit. And so come move, free us up. Lord, may we follow you into the very heart of the Father this morning as we continue. Yeah, so we silence the voice of the accuser right now in Jesus' name. We welcome the voice of the Father in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So the good news of the gospel, we've been... We have this invitation to be fully known by God, to return where he's already looking for you. There is someone looking for you. You may be looking for someone who's looking for you. There is that person looking for you right now. We are given a new identity in this exchange where we see the son is, is given like a ring and a robe. He's given a new identity, a new place in the family. It's the same thing for us as sons and daughters as we come back into the family of God. We are given a place, a new identity. And the good news is that it's not just me, it's that it's all of us, it's us. We together are part of this family of God, which is incredible good news. Um, Jesus in his, his Sermon on the Mount, when he's, he, or his disciples ask him, like, how do we even pray? Anyone know the first line? Our Father. Thank you, Lee. Our Father, not my Father, our Father. There's this, we are a family, we are brothers and sisters. We can be like Lucas and Theo. We can help one another come to the Father. Hey, it's a safe place. Hey, it's our Father. Hey, remember, you are a son or a daughter. We can help one another through. And this is what we want to, we want everything here to feel, and I think that's something we got away from and, and are invited back into and in returning to our first love, is we want to be a family here. We don't want to be a, an organization for the sake of, you know, tax benefits. We want to be a family 
who takes care of each other, who loves one another, who knows one another, and who is known by one another. And we want to be um, a safe place. And we, we want to celebrate even like the, the idea that we are invited every week to a family meal of the bread and the juice the, of the cup that we, we share together in this, this, this family of God thing. That we have the same father who loves us, who comes for us, who rescues us. We have an older brother, Jesus, who fights for us. And we have a spirit who is, is leading and guiding us into all truth. So you belong, you're invited, you are loved, and you're welcome to be a part of the family of God. I want to tell you guys a story. Actually, maybe I don't. And I just we might let the cat out of the bag about an idea. Hmm. Okay. I'm not going to tell the story. <laughs> Do you? Should I tell it? I hope it's not the same story and you say yes and I tell the story. You do? Should I say it? Yeah. Okay. Man, she knows she read my mind. So when we were on our, Jess and I were on our discipleship training school. It's, it's pretty cool, this, this, the correlation here. So we we're on our discipleship training school. We're a bunch of ragtag human beings from all over the place. They get you to go on this, uh, they send you on this thing for three days where you're just, all you can bring is your toothbrush and one change of clothes and then you have no idea what you're doing. We ended up sleeping on this cliff on the side of the ocean. It was amazing. But while you're there, you get right into the nitty gritty and they get everyone to share their story. Like their whole story. And so it's kind of like there's these moments of like the prodigal son returning where you're, you're there and you're dirty and you're exposing your story. You're letting all your shame kind of be known and seen. And it's just, it's kind of beautiful and terrible at the same time. And so you're, you're there for three days, you're sweating, you're gross. And so you're like, this, this is a great experience. And then that, you think that's the end of it. And you're like, cool, I, I know these people better. They didn't turn their face away from me when I told this terrible thing about myself. I, I'm still loved and accepted. That in itself was a beautiful experience. So then you hop in these 15 passenger buses and then you go to this church and all of a sudden you're like, what, what are we doing? You're like, I am so dirty. Like I literally am covered in dirt. I smell bad. I, I've only brushed my teeth. If that I've been pooping in a hole, like out back, um, to TMI, Trish, Trish just groaned. Um, <laughs> and so you show up to this church and everyone, everyone there is, is decked out and they open the doors and there's this feast pre prepared for you. And so they're there and they greet you with a smile like, hey, dude, welcome. How was it? And they welcome you in. Sorry. They welcome you in and they're like, they're, they're cheering, they're clapping for you when you come through because they know what you've just done. They know that you've, sh you've shared your story. They know that you're, you're allowing yourself to be known maybe in, in deeper ways. And like, man, this, this is the stuff that matters. And, and you, well done, dude. Not like, hey, dude, great job leading worship or doing this stuff, but well done before being known. Well done for putting yourself out there. And so you walk down, you walk in, and there's this beautiful feast prepared. You're sitting there, and you're like, what the heck? And you have to fight the feeling of like, should I go like, try to wash my arms in the bathroom? Like, what do you do? 
And they're like, no, just come sit down. And then they proceed to like, uh, just give you this beautiful food. I think there was a chocolate fountain at one point. It was wild. I blacked out. It was so amazing. And then, and then they wash your feet. And they, they get down, and your leader washes your feet. And they're like, hey. We've been praying for you for the last six months. And here's, here's, what, I would, here's what I sense God would say to you. And they just pray these beautiful things over you. And it was like, it's, it's an incredible, incredible picture of this story. And of what I, I really feel like that is the purpose of what we are to be as a church, is to be a place that does that. Not every week that we have a chocolate fountain. I mean, we maybe have the budget for that. I don't know. But that are, hey, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Like, regardless of how bad you smell and how dirty you are, or how broken your story is, you have a place to be here. And we see you, and we want you to see that, that, that there's someone looking for you when you walk through those doors, or when you come to my house for dinner, or whatever that may be. This is the tone of the family of God that he wants to build. And this is what I, I just, I, I'm blown away that God welcomes us in, regardless of how messy our stories may be. So this leaves us, guys, with, with a choice um, and, and an invitation, I would say, from God to surrender our pictures of God. I, I, I need to, every day, I'm learning, surrender my pictures of God to him and allow him to kind of rewrite those stories for me. All of us here have our own picture of God. And um, like I said, it's like trying to see someone through a stained glass window. And the invitation today is to follow Jesus into the very heart of the Father, just like Lucas did with Theo, to the very bosom of the Father. The most important thing in this is that you have a real and deep experience of being loved. That is my prayer this morning, and I would I'd sense that's God's desire for us as well. Both the younger and the older son are invited to the party. Don't exclude yourself. And may those parts of us that are both the older son and the younger son, maybe even simultaneously, say yes to that invitation here this morning. So how are we going to end? I want to end with communion together. And um, I, I read some stuff this week that kind of blew my mind about the cross and about this whole idea of shame and how shame works to kind of keep us from God, actually. Uh, as we know... Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? We say that, we learned that in Sunday school. And I don't know about you, but my picture of the cross is often like on this hill that's kind of distant. And so God's actually looking down on me. Do you guys have that same picture? He's kind of like, Ugh, I had to die for you, you idiot kind of thing. Um, anyone else? <laughs> Confession time, man. Just here's my heart, guys. This is all my brokenness. But, um, I read that this, 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 the truth is that Jesus would have died like the, the, where crucifixions took place were like right on the side of a road. And, and the cross wasn't like 18 feet and then Jesus on the top. It was more so, like literally something like this. And so here's the crazy thing is that when, when, you, when, when you walked along that road, you could have looked that person in the very eye. And that kind of blew my mind. And then I was thinking about the fact that Jesus died on the cross to bear my shame. To live, like he, he died because of my story, my brokenness and your story and your brokenness. 
And the fact is, is that Jesus, if, if, if we want to think about the cross, we can look, he wants us to look him in the eye and see that that doesn't scare him away. That he's like, yeah, man, I see you. And look at me, look in my eyes. I'm not above you looking down on you like you idiots. I'm right here like, yes, I choose you. I know it all. I choose you. And uh, you guys know Josh Ross? One of the first times Josh came over, our house was in a particular state of disarray and chaos. And he was like, hey, can I, can I take a look around? And Jess was there and she was like, ah. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then um, he proceeded to go into our basement, which was, it was derelict. It was terrible. Um, but the thing is, like, he went through and he, he didn't, I mean, you guys know Josh. He was like, no judgment. Like, oh, why do you have this stuff? And just asking questions and opening our cupboards and looking in our underwear drawers probably when we weren't looking. But the point I'm trying to make is here, here's a real fear that I have and I would imagine most of us have. That there's going to be something or there is something that would, that would be the one thing that if Jesus saw it, he'd be like, no, okay, I'm out. And I think that the picture that, that I was thinking about this week is that Jesus on that cross, it's like he's going through our house. He's going into every, every closet, every underneath the bed, everywhere we maybe try to hide our shame. And he's like, hey, I want you to see that I see that and I'm not going anywhere. I, I see that. I see that brokenness in there. Just like Josh saw our crazy, dirty basement. He didn't leave. He stayed. And that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel is Jesus is like, yeah, dude, I see it. And then, yeah, the stuff under the bed, I see that too. But I want you, I want the, here's the thing. I want you to see me seeing it and not turning away. Because that's the difference. It's like you can, you can, I could be there. You could be there. Jesus is on the cross and we're kind of like this. And he's like, hey, look, lift your head and look, look at me looking at this. And I'm not going anywhere. And I just, I find that astounding. Because there, there are pieces of me, there's pieces of all of us where we have closed ourselves off for that very thing. Like, I, ugh, I can't go there. I can't let God go there. That's too much. And he's like, man, I am here for all of it. So I want to pray that we would let ourselves see Jesus, seeing our shame and not going away this morning. And just like the father with open arms welcomes the son home, he's like, all right, let's get on the dance floor. Let's get back to it. I got, I got a beautiful mission and purpose for your life to get to. And this cannot hold you back anymore. And so let me pray for us. And then, uh, yeah, I don't even... Let me just pray and we'll see. Father, we thank you for your unbelievable love. We thank you that you're so good. We, um, we acknowledge God, our brokenness, our wrong pictures of you, our tendency to want to hide from you, God when you're really just wanting us to, to come closer. We ask God that we would be a people who would taste and see 
your goodness so that we could share that with other people, so that we could be ministers of reconciliation, so that we could be people who love the, the least of these, Lord, and love the least of our own brokenness as well. Lord, we thank you that you see our shame and you want us to see us seeing it and that you're not going anywhere. And so may that be the thing we leave this with morning, leave with this morning, God, is that you're not going anywhere. There's nothing we have done. There's nothing we could do. There's nothing that's been done to us that would qualify us from your love. And so we accept and we declare, Lord, we need your help. We need, we need your help with this. And so we receive afresh today the good news of the gospel that Jesus died in our place. That he took upon himself our own brokenness, our own sin, our shame upon himself so that we could know the love that he's always known. So that we could know what it means to be seen fully and completely and loved and accepted and brought into a place of real relationship and depth. And so, God, come, keep moving. We yield to you and we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's late, guys. I talked for way too long. Sorry. Can we just, we have the bread and the cup here. I think if we just want to, I don't know, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> Let's do a communion and then we can get our kids. So why don't we come on up? If, you, if you, There's no pressure, guys, to take communion this morning. If you don't feel... Like you'd like to, there's no pressure. I don't think so. Are you okay with that? Let's just do communion then. Say a period. Oh, I'm still on my microphone. Sorry.
When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now, from, from, sorry, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the body and the blood of Christ for you. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your story. That is, is actually the story of, of our own Lord. And so we, we want to inhabit the story of the gospel and not the story of shame anymore. And so God, would you help us come right before you as we are in more honest and true ways? Would you show us what you're really like God? And, and may we daily surrender our broken pictures of who you are. And, and trust Jesus for his picture of you. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room this morning that we would see your face with a smile on it, that we would see your face um, longing for our return, and that would be, we would be met with, a, with an embrace and with grace this morning. So, thank you, God. Let's just take two minutes, guys, if anyone else wants to pray out, and then we can.